Good morning, guys. Guys, you know, it is so wonderful to be with Catholic men. You guys are my brothers. Catholic men are the sleeping giant in the church. And when I look out across this crowd, we are awakening. Amen? And we need to. And I want to thank, you know, we're getting introduced to speakers and whatnot. There's a lot of work that goes into a conference like this. And the goal of all the men who work to bring this together, to pull it together, and the goal of myself as well and all the speakers is to be used as a vessel of the Holy Spirit to set you on fire. That is really what it's all about. You heard Sister say that as well. But before we go any further, I want you to give a round of applause for all the guys who work so hard to make this happen to get you here today. And... The reason, the reason we do this and they do this is because we want you to get serious about the, the thing that Jesus Christ himself calls the one thing necessary in the gospel of Luke, which is sitting at his feet and entering into relationship with almighty God. And when we talk about a relationship with the Lord, we're not just talking about emotions. It's not an emotional experience. What we're talking about is a fundamental reshaping of the entire trajectory of your life. And that's what I want to get into I'm going to talk about what it is you were made for and give you some of the tools that you need in order to make that happen. But that said, the Catholic life, guys, these these days, these conferences, remember, did you guys ever go to summer camp? Like if you go to summer camp and kind of get on that church high, you know, the Damascus camp is locally here and kids get so fired up for the faith. This isn't summer camp. This is boot camp for us. This isn't the high. This is the first day of the rest of your spiritual life. And we've got to get serious about it. Now that said, the Catholic life isn't rocket science. It's not. It's basically just a wedding of a life of prayer with the grace of the sacraments. That's all it is. Jesus Christ has already given you every single thing that you need in order to climb the divine ladder toward heaven. So that's what we're going to get into. This is going to be a crash course on prayer. And prayer is something we need desperately. I mean, what if you and I were walking down the street and we saw some stranger coming towards us and I said, hey, why don't you go grab that guy and ask him to, you know, help you clean your garage or maybe uh, help you with some issue you have with your kids or you need a promotion at work. He can intercede for you. You're like, take a hike, Matthew. I don't even know that guy. That's right. So why do we think that we can do that with God? We have to develop a relationship with Almighty God. And when you think about it, not having a life of prayer is crazy. If you are not praying, you are not talking to the person who loves you more than anybody else in this life. Prayer is where you find hope. In fact, Benedict, Pope Benedict calls it the school of hope. But this is where you make your needs known to Almighty God. You enter into conversation with him so that your life is conformed to him. And that's what prayer is really all about. It's not just a relationship. It's conforming yourself to Jesus Christ. But prayer gives us life. So what is it exactly? If you've ever read through the catechism, and if you haven't, you should, section four is on prayer. And for my money, it's the most beautiful section of the catechism. So if you've never read it, go read the the fourth section and then pray your way through the rest of the catechism. But it tells us that there are different forms of prayer that we're supposed to engage in. So blessing petition, adoration, thanksgiving, intercession, etc. Why so many forms of prayer? Well, the reason why is because we talk to God differently depending upon the situation that we are in. 
If you lose your kid at the mall during Christmas shopping season, you're not praying for a promotion at work, right? You're like, no, God, please help me find my child. So it changes depending upon the situation that you were in. Now, St. Therese of Lisieux, a little flower, she says the prayer is a surge of the heart. It's a simple look turned toward heaven. It's a cry of recognition and of love, embracing both trial and joy, which is a big point. Because we pray all the time when we're in trial. We're in trouble. Oh, God, help me, please, right? But when we're, everything's going fine, we kind of forget about the Lord. So, but it embraces both trial and joy. But prayer is where we encounter Christ. Like the catechism says, God thirsts for you. And prayer is the encounter of God's thirst with our thirst. And he gave us that thirst for him. But he wants you far more than what, how much you want him. Realize that. He is constantly on hold waiting for us to pick up that phone and enter into conversation with him. And prayer, prayer comes from the heart. Hey, prayer comes from that place deep inside of ourselves to which we withdraw when we're alone with ourselves. You know that little, card, the, the little conversation that goes on inside of your head when you're alone with yourself? I want this. I want that. My F-150 is bigger than his, you know. You think no one can hear you, but God does. And if you could understand, do you remember when you read comic strips when you were a kid? You see the little thought bubbles over the top of, of the cartoon character. And you know that's what they're thinking. Can you imagine if we had those over our heads all the time and everybody knew what we were thinking? That would be terrible on lots of different levels. But one of the things that it would reveal to us is that we are so self-centered. We're so narcissistic. Everything is about me, me, me. Prayer is what changes that focus. It changes that self-centeredness to a God-centered conversation. So it elevates us and transforms us. It gets us out of ourselves. As Father said, get over yourself. That's what prayer does. It refocuses you on God instead of on yourself. Right? So this, this is something we are after. We've got to do this. And I think a lot of us have a warped view of prayer because we don't understand its power. We don't understand that we are made to do this. And even if we do it regularly, and I know I fall into this lots of times. You know, you have your routine that you have set up, and, and it's so easy to fall into the rut of just checking prayer off of your spiritual to-do list. Or you do it because, you know, Father told me to do this, or some guy came from Steubenville, which is where I live. And, you know, he, he said, we got to pray. And we don't understand that we are made to pray. We are literally made to be in relationship with Jesus Christ. And just like our human relationships need care and attention so as to grow, so too does our relationship with our Heavenly Father. And I think for Catholics, this is a little difficult. I'm a convert to the faith. And uh, I've been Catholic for almost 22 years now. And one of the things that I notice as Catholics, like, we know lots of different prayers, but maybe we haven't had a conversion of heart which would transform the way in which we pray. And I'm guilty of this as much as anybody else. I mean, how many times, I shudder to think, how many times have I droned through an Our Father in the Mass? How many times have I prayed a rosary without really thinking about the mysteries that I'm engaging in? And all too often, I think our memorares and our rosaries and our litanies and such, they become mechanical. Now, I'm not saying that these forms of prayer are not good and we shouldn't do them. Uh Uh-uh. I pray to Mother Mary every single day. I pray the memorize. I pray the litanies, all of these. In fact, Catholic prayers are full of such a beauty and a depth I would never be able to come up with on my own. 
I'm really happy to hear him. You know, as a Protestant, I'm a pastor's kid too. And when you get asked to pray, it was, you know, you got to come up with some good stuff. One of the things that you know, I've noticed in like 20 plus years as a Catholic is that when you get invited over to a Catholic's house for dinner and they ask you to lead in prayer over the food, all that means is you were the first person to cross yourself and start the bless us, O Lord, prayer. When you're a Protestant pastor's kid and someone asks you that, it's showtime, baby. You're whipping out all your best stuff. You're saying Father God like 20 times, you know. Not long after I became Catholic, I invited, um, it was probably about three years after I became Catholic. I had one kid at the time. My little girl was two years old. And I invited my brother-in-law and sister to come over to our house. And he's a pastor. And he's very, he, he prayed beautifully. And so in a show of ecumenism, I said, listen, Bob, why don't you go ahead and, and pray over the meal? And so he launches into this really long, beautiful prayer over the food. Well, my two-year-old's never heard this stuff before. All she just bless us, O Lord. That's what she's used to. He gets about 45 seconds in. He takes a breath, and she said, amen. And, and it, was, it was over. <laughs> but as Catholics, we have all these beautiful set prayers that we can fall back on and realize that he, Jesus, he was a good Jew. He learned all the prayers of his day. But what he shows us is that his prayer is just that. It's the prayer of a son to a father. And guess what? Because of the sacraments, you and I are joined to Jesus Christ and we have the right and the ability to call almighty God, the king of the universe, our daddy. Who's your daddy? God's your daddy. And that should, that should shape how it is we enter into conversation with him. He is waiting for us to come to him and he desperately wants to shower his love upon you. Right? So we, we enter into this relationship of love with him through prayer. So, what exactly is it? I cannot hope to cover all the aspects of prayer in one short talk. What I'm going to try and do is hit the highlights in order to get you started or to have you take your prayer life to the next level if you already are in one. Now, in addition to the different types of prayer that I mentioned previously, so blessing, petition, adoration, praise, etc., there are three major modes of prayer that are universal. Vocal, meditative, and contemplative prayer. And they form a kind of a framework in which the forms of prayer operate. They also, vocal, meditative, and contemplative prayer also form a kind of a ladder of progression that you climb as you make your way to God. Because prayer has a goal. The goal is God. The goal is perfection. And perfection takes time. So there are steps along the way as you mature in prayer. And as you ascend then and you mature, the way you talk to God actually changes. It evolves. It's kind of like a couple who's been married for a long, long time. You know, back in the very beginning of the relationship, you guys remember this, like you guys have been married for a long time. Remember when you would talk about everything? And you could almost make everything romantic, you know, like snow tires would be romantic, you know. But you would talk about everything because you're wanting to get to know this other person. They're wanting to get to know you. But as time goes by, your mode of communication begins to change. And after, you know, for a couple who's been married a long, long time, the outstretched arm and a grunt means, can you bring me a beer? Right? And the roll of the eyes and the flip of the magazine page, you can get them and get it yourself. You've been sitting on that couch all day long. Why don't you mow the lawn while you're at it? And not a word was spoken. Now, I am not saying, I'm not saying that the longer you were married, the less you should talk at all. My point is, 
that as time goes by, she doesn't necessarily need to talk to make you weak in the knees, either in a good way or a bad way. You ever been at a party and you're with your buddies over in the corner and you catch your wife's eye out of the corner of your eye and she's got a raised eyebrow at you and you're like, how did she even know what I was talking about? Right? How did she know? But maybe you get like a, you know, a playful smirk, maybe a little grin from her or, or just looking into her eyes and you know exactly what she's thinking and she knows what you're thinking. Why? Because your relationship has grown. It's matured. You're in deeper union the same thing in our relationship with almighty god okay so you continue to engage in the different types and the forms and the stages of prayer but the way you do it changes as your relationship with almighty god matures so let's talk in concrete terms about the three modes of prayer we'll start with vocal prayer oh lord open my lips and my mouth shall show forth thy praise we get it Right? You guys have been saying vocal prayers since you were babies. You grew up praying the rosaries. Jesus himself taught us the most famous of the vocal prayers, the Our Father. And we have all kinds of beautiful prayers in the church. And realize vocal prayer is so important to us as human beings because we are a union of body and soul. We're not ghosts floating around. We are a union of body and soul, of body and spirit. And so we have a need to translate our interior life exteriorly. You know this. When Michigan beat Ohio State this last year, were you like, whatever? No, you wanted to wring Jim Harbaugh's neck, right? You had this need to take this anger and angst and and show it exteriorly. And we do the same thing even liturgically. We we fold our hands when we pray. We kneel. We we lift our hands in praise. We genuflect in front of a tabernacle. And vocal prayer follows the same kind of a pattern. Vocal prayer expresses an interior reality exteriorly. So it's extremely important. You never leave vocal prayer behind even as you mature in the Catholic life, in your spiritual life. The catechism says it's an essential element of the Catholic life. Because words are powerful. They're powerful. Jesus Christ himself is the word spoken by the Father. That's why it's so powerful. God created the world with just a few little words. Let there be. Now, we don't have that same kind of creative power that Almighty God does. But you and I both know that we can cut somebody to shreds with our words. Or maybe we've been cut to shreds by someone's words. And vocal prayer is super important as well because we're a family of God and we come together in the liturgy to worship. And that's, you know, vocal prayer is necessary for that as well. So vocal prayer is huge. Now, one of the things you've got to remember when you're engaging in vocal prayer, uh, St. John Chrysostom says that whether or not our prayer is heard depends not upon the number of words, but upon the fervor of our souls. So when you are praying vocally, you've got to think about what it is you're saying. I tell this to my kids all the time. We pray a decade of the rosary on our way to school every day. And I tell them, if you're not thinking about the mystery, you're not really praying. God's not going to listen to somebody who doesn't listen to themselves. So you got to think about it. And realize that quality is better than quantity in all of this. You realize that St. Francis of Sales and St. Teresa of Avila say that one fervent Our Father, one fervent Hail Mary is far more powerful than a bunch of rosaries you just blow through. That's why you got to focus in. Jesus said, don't babble 
like the pagans. In fact, when you are really focused on your vocal prayers and you're engaging in them, this becomes a form and it leads to meditation. So let's talk about this second mode of prayer, meditation. And guys, I want you to pay very close attention to this because for my money, this is the the form of prayer that most of us have no idea how to do or what it is. And if more of us were doing it, everything would change, both in our lives and the lives of those around us. This is so important that we understand what meditative prayer is. So let's talk about this. What is meditative prayer? The baseline definition is this. It's an attentive reflection on Jesus Christ that's aided by some kind of a physical input, like a book. It's an interior conversation. Generally speaking, no words are spoken. Paraphrasing St. Teresa of Avila, this is why it's so important. Listen to this. St. Alphonsus Liguori says that if you don't have a regular life of meditative prayer, and by regular he means every day, you don't need demons to carry you to hell. You carry yourself there in your own hands. That's how important this is. St. Teresa says that, that a life of meditative prayer is the basis for acquiring all the virtues. And it, she says it's a matter of life and death for all Christians. And when she talks about life and death, she doesn't mean physically dying. She means your eternity. You have got to do this. I have got to do this. Why? Because the catechism says meditation is the quest. This is where the mind seeks to understand the why and the how of the Christian life so we can adhere to and respond to what the Lord is telling us. You want to know what the Lord wants for your life? You've got to enter into a life of meditative prayer, period. You want to go to heaven? You've got to have a life of meditative prayer. But meditation is where we ponder the mysteries of Jesus Christ and he speaks to us in various ways so that our relationship with him grows. And it doesn't mean you're thinking about God passively. You know, like Eastern stuff. And by Eastern, I don't mean Eastern Catholic. I mean like Buddhism and all the rest of it. They're like, you've got to empty your mind, dude. No, you don't. That's idiocy. Don't empty your mind. We want to fill our mind up with Almighty God. Jesus Christ says, praise God, right? That's what it's about. That's how you conform yourself to him. And Jesus tells us, says, you shall love the Lord your God with what? All of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your strength, and with all of your mind. We want to fill up with Almighty God. Meditative prayer is also meant to be interactive, guys. It's not a one-way conversation. This is, this is you speaking to God. You ponder the mysteries of Jesus Christ. So an inner conversation starts with our Lord. This is where you become one with him. This is where he seeps into your very being. And he rubs off on you. You know, when you hang out with someone a lot and you start to, to pick up their mannerisms and their ways of speech and such. This is what we do in meditative prayer. Jesus rubs off on us so that we can become more like him. And you're not just chatting. Remember this. Prayer is always ordered toward action. It's meant to transform your life. Never forget that. The goal for us is to to regain that lost likeness that Adam lost back in the garden. And the catechism says that prayer is the way in which we regain this likeness. Obviously wedded to the sacraments. But realize that the sacraments and prayer are one-two punch, guys. They go together. It's like Hall and Oates or Starsky and Hutch. They never had any shows on their own, right? You have to have the two of them together. You go to daily mass. 
You receive the Eucharist every day. You're there at the 6 a.m. Mass. I don't care what time it is. If you don't have a life of prayer, that grace of the host, there's enough grace in that host to save the entire world, that grace isn't going to do you any good. Prayer changes that. Prayer gets us out of the way so that the sanctifying grace that's present in the host can have its maximum impact on our lives and we can be transformed. That's why prayer is so important. So what is meditative prayer and how do we do it? Remember that the focus and the goal of meditative prayer, I don't care what form it takes, is always Jesus Christ. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes unto the Father but by me, says our Lord. St. Maximilian Colby says, whatever you know, devotion you have, it's all links in a chain that lead back to one place, and that is Jesus Christ. So how do you actually do it? Well, let me give you a little commercial break for just a second. Matt mentioned that I found out something called Science of Sainthood. On Ash Wednesday, which is next week, I believe, I'm going to start streaming a 14-part video series absolutely free on prayer. It's called St. Teresa of Avila's Nine Grades of Prayer. She is the doctor of prayer, and she's got a lot to teach us. And a lot of what she talks about is jaw-dropping, guys. And it will take you to the heights if you engage it. You can sign up for that at scienceofsainthood.com. Or there's a, I have a QR code back at my table on the other side. And you just go scan it with your phone. It'll take you right there. Name, email. I will send you the videos. It's totally free. There is a workbook that goes with it. Uh, it. It's got detailed notes and saint passages and meditations and such, but you don't need to buy it. It's all free. Again, you can sign up for that at scienceofsainthood.com or just come back over by the table. And there's also some books over on prayer there as well. But let me give you a thumbnail sketch of exactly what meditative prayer looks like. Because as Matt said, we're going to go into adoration right after this. So I'm going to give you the tools that you need right now to enter into that hour of adoration or however long. Is it an hour of adoration? 20 minutes, all right? Well, you know what? That's actually perfect, and you'll see why in just a minute. But what are, what, how do we do this? Like, what are the steps to enter into meditation? And again, it's not rocket science. It starts with glorified common sense. Right place, right time. Pick a good time and a place, guys. I mean, seriously. St. Gregory of Nazianzus says, you must remember God more often than you draw breath. St. Paul says, pray constantly. Now, he doesn't mean you're like wandering around the food store muttering prayers to yourself so people think you're a freak and walk away, right? What he means is that even when you're not engaged in active prayer, we're supposed to be living in a state of prayer that envelops every aspect of our life because there is never a point in time when you are not supposed to be in relationship with God. And prayer is that relationship. So we're supposed to live in that constantly, says St. Paul. But you can't do that. Unless you set aside very specific, special times to enter into union and conversation with our God. Because if you do not make prayer non-negotiable on your schedule, it will be the first thing that is tossed off when your day gets busy. And when was the last time you didn't have a busy day? So you've got to set the right place and the right time. That means a bowling alley doesn't work. Okay? Monday night football at the bar doesn't work. We are so ADD already, guys. We struggle with this constantly, like little kittens chasing reflections on the carpet, you know? We can't do this. We're distracted. And speaking of distractions, you're going to experience distractions. You'll experience distractions in the adoration time. You'll always experience distractions because you're human. St. Teresa of Avila says, when you experience that distraction, just give it back to God and it becomes a prayer in and of itself. 
Okay, so don't worry about it. But you'll learn to order your life as you mature so that you don't have as many distractions in your life because you realize your whole life is ordered to this encounter you have with the divine in prayer. But you need, first of all, you need silence. The second person, the most holy trinity, would go out into the wilderness. And if Jesus needed quiet, guess what? We do too. Right, so we gotta, we got to set it up that way. Adoration is the best. If you have an adoration chapel at your church... We were at St. Catherine's last night. That Adoration Chapel is spectacular. Go there and pray. doesn't get any better than that. As far as length of time to set aside, and this is why I said our 20-minute Adoration time is perfect. If you've never done this before, I always say don't bite off more than you can chew. You take 10 to 15 minutes, and you use that as your time of meditative prayer. And I will tell you, it will be the longest 10 to 15 minutes of your life. You would rather watch baby turtles run a marathon then sit 15 minutes and quiet. Am I wrong? I mean, we know this from personal experience, right? But trust me, the more you do this, the easier it gets. And before you know it, that 15 minutes will turn to 20, will turn to 30, will be 45 in an hour. And you're like, what? That's what I thought when I first read that. But it's true. It is so true. You know why? Because this is what you were made for, literally. You are made to be in relationship with Almighty God. He is not going to force you, though. You've got to make an act of the will and enter into this communion with him. So right time and place. Number two, you've got to recollect yourself. What does that mean? You've got to put yourself in the moment. Check all of your concerns at the door. Try and get rid of as much distraction as you possibly can. Practically speaking, a good way to do this is just repeat the name of Jesus over and over until it gets through your thick head that that's who you're with. Take your Bible and read the Passion. The goal is to put yourself at the feet of the king of the universe. That's what it's all about. The saints say the best time, all things being equal, the best time to enter into meditative prayer is early in the morning because you have less distractions. When you wake up, wake up early. Go spend time with God. I got six kids. The only time I can meditate with any quiet is before they wake up. So I get up before dawn every day and do this. And in the beginning, it was hard, trust me. But I can't live without it now. It changes everything. Enter into that union with the Lord. Then comes the the third step, which is meditation. So the right time and place, you're recollected, and now you're going to enter into meditation. What is meditation? Again, it's attentive reflection on our Lord. It's an interior conversation that is aided by some kind of a physical input, like a book or nature or maybe a piece of art, you know, that you're meditating on. And why is it that that we use physical things as Catholics to enter into spiritual communion with God? Because I didn't grow up with this stuff. We got rid of all of this stuff. I love all the physicality of the Catholic Church. It speaks to our humanity, guys. This is how God made us. As human beings with five God-given senses, we relate to him through the beads and the books and the beauty and the smells and the bells. That's why we have high ceilings in our churches. It's meant to lift our souls to God. So we use these physical things to enter into union with him. Now let's use books because they are most common. That's what people use to meditate most of the time. So you take your book. Bible, saint book, or whatever, and you start to slowly read through it. This is, what, this is what you're meditating on. This is your input into this interior conversation that you are having with Almighty God. And you don't rush through it. It's about quality, not quantity. You want to soak in it. 
Because the goal isn't to finish your Magnificat or your big fat breviary with, the, you know, with all the ribbons so everyone knows you're really holy. That's not what it's about. The goal is God. It's relationship with Almighty God. So when you're reading through the passage slowly and something strikes you, jumps off the page, pause. Reflect on it. Let the Lord speak to you through it. And then once that moment is over or you get distracted, go right back to your reading. Again, it's not rocket science. But when the Lord speaks to you, you also have to make this decision that you're going to respond to what it is that he's telling you from what it is that you've read. And you begin to to apply it to your life. You converse with the Lord about it. Maybe you need to forgive somebody. Maybe there's a particular vice or something that you need to work on in your life. And I would encourage you with regard to Lent coming up, pray. Don't don't do the same thing. Don't just give up your beer and bourbon or whatever because that's the way you've always done it. I'm going to do a cold shower, so that's going to take care of everything. No, pray to the Lord to what it is you should give up because every one of us has a predominant fault. And you've got to strike at the core of what the issues you have are in your life. You can't do that without prayer. So ask the Lord to show you what it is that you need to do this Lent. You pray for the grace to, to, to deal with the issues that he, you, that he convicts you about. Okay? That's what you do every time you enter into meditative prayer. Because remember, the goal of this is to become like him. The goal is perfection. Jesus says in Matthew 5, 48, be perfect even as your heavenly Father is perfect. This is one of the ways you do this. Meditation is not intellectual study. You're not prepping for some kind of an exam here. You are entering into communion with the Lord. And let the conversation go the way the Lord moves it. You don't have to do the same thing every time. In fact, there's going to come a a time in your life of meditative prayer after you've been doing it for a while, because realize all of this does take time, You're growing up in the supernatural life just like you grew up in the natural life. You move from infancy into adolescence and into adulthood. So it's an organic development that takes time. And there's going to come a point in time in your life of meditative prayer where you start to have this little urge or an inkling to set the book down, maybe pause your rosary, and just be with the Lord. Be still and know that I am holy. So you're you're in an adoration chapel, you pause and you just look at Christ in the blessed sacrament. Or if you're not in an adoration chapel, you're just focusing on him interiorly. And this, all things being equal, is an indication that you are transitioning from meditative prayer into contemplation. So let's talk about this third and highest age of prayer. And the first thing to say about it is that even though it's its own category of prayer, man, contemplation is so difficult to talk about. And the reason why is because it is supernatural. You see, in vocal prayer and meditation, we're the impetus. We kick it off. We're reading. We're, we're meditating. We're thinking. We're putting ourselves in those gospel scenes. In contemplation, it is all God. He is both the cause and the end of contemplative prayer. We have a role. Our role is to till the soil of our heart until the time when God is ready to give himself to us in contemplative prayer. And you you mainly do that through meditation, through the life of meditative prayer. Contemplation is what we call an infused prayer. It comes from the Latin word infusum, which means that which is poured in. So what happens in contemplation is God literally pours himself into you. And what you receive in this pouring in is a gift beyond your wildest dreams, guys. 
Second Peter 1, 4 says we become a partaker of the divine nature of God. Do you understand what that means? I don't, not to the depth that I should, but you're not just saved from something. You're not just saved from the fires of hell. You are saved to become a divine member of the divine family of God, not equal to God, but by grace, you become what he is by nature, divine. You can't enter to the divine family of God unless you become like the rest of the family. You're never going to get a better offer than this. Trust me. This is what God begins to do in the life of contemplative prayer as he is pouring himself into you. You are deified, literally. What do we receive in the Eucharist? Because some of you are like, deified? What? Divine? That sounds like heresy. We'll throw a pole up and burn him at the stake as soon as the talk is over. But think about it. What do we receive in the Eucharist? The body, blood, soul, and divinity of Almighty God. You receive it in the Eucharist, and he gives it to you in contemplative prayer. He is becoming one with you. This is what the Catholic faith is all about. St. Athanasius said, God became man so that man might become God. Small g. This is what it's all ordered to, guys. You can't get there on your own. So this is what God gives us in this final stage of our prayer life. Contemplation, in many ways, is the consummation of our spiritual life. So, what can we say about it? I want to make this point so firmly. Contemplation is for you. It's for every single man in this room. You were made to enter into contemplative prayer with Almighty God. This is not something that's reserved for the saints. This is how people become saints. You want to get your mug on a holy card? This is how you do it. God wants to pour himself into you. It doesn't matter your state in life. The highest levels of prayer, this is reserved for, you know, a dude with a hair shirt on in a cave writing on papyrus somewhere. It's for you. It's for every one of us. God made us to be in union with him. And yeah, there are multiple levels of meditative prayer and contemplative prayer. And I go through them in that study that I told you about, the the videos. And by the way, those things are only 15 minutes long. You can do them. It's not going to hammer you over the head. Everything I try and do is to to take the, the complicated things of the Catholic life and make it palatable for us as laity because there's so much we need to learn in order to enter into union with God. The catechism says that prayer, it's not enough to have the will to pray. You have to learn how to pray. So we have some learning that we need to do. But there are multiple levels of meditation and contemplation. And yeah, Teresa of Avila, John of the Cross, and these kinds of people, all they did, like, they prayed. And so they've got a lot better shot of reaching the highest levels of transforming union and such than those of us who were engaged in more secular pursuits. Even so, contemplation is a gift that God is just dying, literally, to give to you. But you have to remember, too, that it takes time. You cannot jump in and out of contemplative prayer. And any, you know, there's a lot of confusion in the church on this. But any method of prayer like, that teaches you can somehow kind of center down and put yourself into contemplative prayer flies in the face of 2,000 years of Catholic teaching. Okay? It's only God. But the question remains, what is contemplation? What is this highest form of prayer? And again, it's a tough question to answer. Contemplation is the beginning of the sight of God. It's the beginning of our glimpse of heaven. God is joining himself to us in a very powerful way. And I realize that's still kind of vague. 
When you read St. Teresa of Avila and John of the Cross and the other spiritual greats on prayer, they use words like, it's a fragrance of God. It's the warmth of God. It's a close sharing between friends. And you're like, really? You got to give me a little bit more than that. Give me something concrete. But they use these kinds of words and descriptions because contemplation, I mean, it, it might overflow into your emotions. You might have some kind of an emotional experience, but it's not, it's not necessary. It's beyond words and images and feelings. It might incorporate those things, but you can never reduce it to a sensory experience. And it's difficult to describe because what's taking place is God is beginning to take a hold of your soul. Literally, he is drawing you to himself. So in contemplation, you enter into a new relationship with God that is beyond words. That's why the saints struggle to tell us what it is. We don't have the vocabulary to talk about what God is doing inside of us at that point. You remember Peter, James, and John when they go up Mount Tabor at the Transfiguration? It's a great story. And and Jesus, what does Jesus do? He reveals his divinity to them. Luke tells us that he shone like the sun. And we read through these kinds of passages lots of times we just gloss over the words. Think about that. Jesus shone like the sun. And then Moses and Elijah pop up and the voice of God comes out of the clouds and their disciples are freaking out. And Peter's like, hey, this is great. I'll build three tents. We can hang out here, you know. He's so overcome by this experience that St. Luke says he didn't even know what he was talking about. Because the veil of heaven had been lifted back ever so slightly. And Jesus had dazzled them with his divinity. It was the greatest thing they'd ever seen. That's contemplation. We begin to see God for who he is in and of itself. Not for what he does for us. But we begin to love him for who he is our creator, our beloved, the one who wants to give us an ecstatic eternity that we can't even fathom, says St. Paul. And it's crazy powerful because it's not just sight of God. It's a supernatural influence of almighty God into our finite beings. So you're literally being prepared for eternity. This is a movement from humanity into divinity where God is literally grafting us into his family, guys. You know, I am the vine, you are the branches. This is what's happening. You're being grafted into God's family. And the more you experience God in this manner, the more you desire and you thirst for him. And you begin to cry out along with the psalmist. My soul longs, yea, faints for the courts of the Lord. My heart and flesh sing for joy to the living God. I'm getting so worked up here, the mic is falling off. Sweet Moses, guys, this is the stuff of life. This is nectar of God himself. <laughs> Practically speaking, what does this look like, guys? Because let's, let's get, you know, we're men. What does this look like? As I said, what happens is in your life of prayer that you begin to have this point in time of, of your meditative life where you begin to feel this urge to kind of set the stuff down. You just want to be with the Lord. It's just a little brief inkling in the beginning. You've got to become sensitive to this, okay? And in the beginning, it's just really tiny. A lot of people make the mistake of just ignoring this and they continue to plow through their meditation. And the reason why is we get so used to dictating our relationship with Almighty God. In in a meditative prayer, let's face it, it's really simple to see a direct correspondence between the time we spend and the spiritual growth we get. God becomes kind of a vending machine of grace for us at that point. If I do this, I get that. When God takes over in infused contemplation, he totally takes over. 
We stop doing things and we start being with God. And this freaks people out a little bit when it first happens because you start to feel like you're backsliding because we're so used to doing things that when we're supposed to just stop and be with God, we feel like, oh, we're, we're backsliding, right? Before we knew what we were doing. Now he's acting directly upon us and there's nothing we can do. And while you might experience a little bit of spiritual anxiety when this first takes place, obey it. Allow it to happen inside of you. And you also know that something special is happening. Because what's happening is God is intensifying his relationship with you. It's a deeper conversion. But you also realize this intensity comes and goes. It's not like you're in a total contemplative state all the time where you're like levitating and, oh no, I'm going to lose control of my car as I'm driving. Not at all. God doesn't want to kill you. He wants to give you eternal life, right? And your time's not going to come until he says it is anyway. But it's an intense experience of God, which sometimes he will grab a hold of your soul and draw you to him. And it's the most amazing thing you've ever tasted. And as you mature and you grow in this, you realize that Now that you've reached a different plateau of life, you're going to live differently. This is what happened to the disciples. Remember the the end of the story of the transfiguration. They didn't stay up on the mountain. They came down. They had to re-engage with all the chores and the duties of life. The same thing happens to us. We're still on earth. We're humans. We're guys with jobs and families and, you know, whatever. We got to take care of things. But what happens when you move into contemplative prayer is you're living in a new plateau, which informs everything in your life. Everything changes when you move into this relationship with God and you are mature and you are content to allow God to pour himself into you no matter what you feel or don't feel. Because we all know that your feelings come and go, guys. Don't base your spiritual life upon your senses. God, when you don't feel God, when you feel dry in prayer, realize he's probably working on you in a depth depth you've never experienced before. It's like anesthesia. He deadens your senses, and he's not far away. He's actually closer to you than you ever thought. You just haven't developed the senses yet to experience him in the way that he wants to show himself to you. So you just keep doing. This is the number one thing in prayer. Show up. Even when you don't feel like it, you do it. Because you're entering into union with Almighty God. You can't take a day off of your marriage. We can't take a day off of our relationship with Almighty God. But this is what it's all about, guys. This is what God has for you. This is what you are made for. So you turn your eyes on God. Allow him to enter into that meditative prayer. Pray those vocal prayers. Think about what you're doing. Prepare yourself to receive this infusion from Almighty God and realize that this life of prayer is not just about you. It's about every person in your life. It should transform all of your relationships and not just your friends, not just your family, but those with your enemies as well. We're supposed to love them too, right? The only way you're going to get to the place of loving them is if you are more like Jesus Christ so you can begin to see that person in the same way that Jesus Christ does. Every one of us was created by God for the same end and we got to start acting like it. We have to love our enemies as ourselves. You can't do that without a life of prayer. This is what it's all about. You want to be a better father and husband? Pray. You want to be a better priest? pray. You want to get to heaven? Pray. Prayer is what leads to peace. Prayer is what leads to hope. Prayer is what leads to God. You can't find him otherwise. It is my desire that all of us are in heaven together. If you don't have that life of prayer, guess what, guys? You're going to get to the 
the pearly gates and you're going to present yourself to Jesus Christ and he's going to say, depart from me for I never knew you. You get to know God through your life of prayer. This is why the saints say you've got to do this every day. This is your relationship with God for all eternity. You have two lives to live, one now and one later. You have one life. You start that union with God right now. You get holy and you die trying. Amen? So let me close in prayer real quick. How much time do I have, Matt? Two minutes. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Jesus, thank you for the, the opportunity we have so easily to enter into communion with you through prayer. I pray that my brothers would be set on fire by the Holy Spirit, that I would be set on fire by the Holy Spirit to seek you with every ounce of strength that we have and give ourselves to you so that we can drag as many people kicking and screaming into heaven as possible, starting with ourselves. In your precious and holy name. Amen. Name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. One more time, guys. Uh, if you guys have the graphic you can put up of this, uh, the video series, I highly encourage you to do this. And again, it's totally free. St. Teresa of Avila's Nine Grades of Prayer. It will radically transform the way that you view prayer and how you engage in it. And it will change your life if you do it. And again, they're only 15 minutes long. It's easy stuff to, to understand. But at the same time, it's the deep mystery of God, and it changes everything. Again, St. Teresa is the doctor of prayer. She will change your world. We stand on the shoulders of giants. Let them lift us up to God. My brothers, thank you so much. God bless every one of you.